Amen. Look with me, if you would, to First Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 28 and 29. First Chronicles 28 and 29. Uh, I want to talk to you about who is willing. Who is willing? And do we have a God-sized vision? How big is our vision to do something for God? How can God fit in what we want to do for Him? Uh, is our vision so small? Now, God's huge now. So we're talking about having a God-sized vision to do something for Him, uh, to build and establish His kingdom. And tonight we're in a prayer meeting type service, and I know that you guys are the dedicated uh, you guys are, are the core, the backbone, and uh, we just believe God is using you already. And I, uh, really tonight, I know God has already called you, and you're committed, and you're here. But uh, we were just going to take this a little bit, and I want to read uh, just bits and pieces. And just follow along with me in First Chronicles chapter 28. And let me set the stage for chapter 28 and go into chapter 29. But are we willing to do what it takes to do something great for God, and does God fit into what we are building for Him in our personal lives, in our families, uh, and in what He's called us to do? Okay, so let me set the stage. In, in First Chronicles chapter 28, David is making some addresses about the temple, and he begins to stand up. Now, he's nearing the end of his life. He's about to transfer ownership, uh, transfer the reign uh, to his son, and uh, set up something here, the temple, a permanent place for God's dwelling. And in chapter 28, he says in verse 2, uh, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brethren and people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it. But God said, You shouldn't build it. Your son's going to build it. And so he's saying, I have made my life's end goal to make preparations. I have been preparing to do something great for God, really, my whole life. From the very beginning, from that first stone that I threw towards Goliath, I always knew in my heart I wanted to do something great for God. That's what he was, that's David, man. His heart is like, don't be talking about my God. My God's great. That's the attitude he has, right? And at the end of his life, he's saying, I have been making preparations to establish something through the generations that will show the world how great my God is. And, but yet God said, you're not the one to do it. Your son's going to do it. So here's what he says. And he, so he says, my son's going to do it. And he says, so I, go down to verse 6. He said, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts where I've chosen him to be a son to me. And I'll be a father to him. I'll establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments, my ordinance, as it's done now. So here's David. He's talking about this, telling the people what's going on. And he challenges his son in the next few moments. He says, son, I'm giving you this challenge to continue the work. If you do this with your whole heart and a willing mind, the Lord's searching the hearts. He understands all the thoughts. In verse 10, he says, in verse uh, 9 and 10, he says, If you seek him, he'll let you find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you forever. So consider now, God's chosen you, and I want you to do something great. Be courageous, now act upon it. I have been preparing for this, and now I'm transmitting it to you. 
Now go, be courageous, and act on it. And he tells Solomon, he says here, so I've been preparing. Now, and go into verse 11, he says, now here's the plans. God gave me all these detailed plans. In fact, he goes on to say, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and God gave me and downloaded in my spirit as if, you know, uh, we plug in a jump drive and it just downloads. He just began to write out uh, what God wanted him to do and how he wanted to do it and what he wanted the temple to look like. and how. He, so he's like, son, here's everything you need to succeed. Here's everything you need to succeed. I had planned it, but I couldn't. That's not what God's will is for my life. Now I'm giving you the plan and the purposes. And so David said in verse 19, the Lord made me understand this by writing his hand upon me, all the details of this pattern. He says, son, be strong, courageous, and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed. The Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And some, God has a job for you to do. And man, it is going to be great. And God is going to get some glory. And so he says, here's the plans. Here's the purpose. And then here's the people. He says, I've already started working on the Levites. And I've got some people ready in the wings. There's a remnant of people, man, who are excited about this journey you're about to be on. Now look in verse, look in chapter 29. So that's the setting. Who is willing? So David now, he turns to the assembly and he says, son, uh, this is, uh, God's chosen you in verse 2. He says, I have used every resource at my command. I've gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. There's now enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood. There's great quantities of onks and precious stones, costly jewels, all kinds of fine stones made of marble. And he says, now because of my devotion to the dwelling place of God, I'm giving all of my private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. I'm giving you my entire life savings, all that I've worked towards. This is what I want. I'm, go- I'm cashing in all my chips. I'm going all in. This is most important. And he says, in addition to all the things I've already collected in this holy temple, I'm going to donate more than 112 tons of gold. I'm going to donate 260 tons of refined silver, and it's going to overlay the walls and all this. And then he looks to the people and he says, now then, who will follow my example and give offering to the Lord today? Whoo, man, that's a charge, right? It's like this guy doesn't play around, man. He is serious about God. He is. I just wish I could take an ounce of David's passion and heart for the Lord and just put it into myself and just say, Man, this guy just is gung-ho for God. David had a heart for God's glory. He wanted to build this tabernacle, this temple, this dwelling place. And David was transmitting a God-sized vision to his son. It was a vision that God would fit into. Think about it. What he would build would be the place the presence of God would inhabit. So therefore, his vision was God-sized. It was bigger than what he could ever hope to do. And God, in fact, God didn't even say you could accomplish it all. David, I had a plan for you. David, I wanted you to build up to this point, but now your son's going to go the rest of the way. I've given you the plans. Now transmit them to him. I'm going to do something in his life. I think about this. You think about Jesus Christ. David in this passage is much of Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth and laid it all on the line. 
for his God, for his Father. Now, he, we know he is God, but for the purpose of this, he's the Son of God. And he comes and he lays his whole life on the line for his Father in heaven. And like David, he gives all that he has. Everything is cashed in. There is nothing left. And the Bible says that he loved his disciples to the very end. And that he uh, desired that they would uh, take this kingdom that he was building and he desired to build. But Jesus got to a point, and what did he do? He transmitted his mission, his purpose, his plans, his passions to who? The church, us, his disciples. And so David had this God-sized vision. Jesus comes. He gives us this God-sized vision. It says, go, make disciples. And it's a vision that's so big, it's bigger than any one denomination. It's bigger than one church. It's bigger than one pastor. It's bigger than one missionary. It's bigger than one evangelist. It is a God-sized vision to bring the presence of God in a God-sized dwelling place. Before, it was just this tabernacle. And this ark and where the uh, presence would be in that place. But now Jesus says, you are the dwelling place. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And my desire is that God's kingdom would come. The kingdom is already here. It's now. It's at hand. But it's still coming. And your job is to go and make disciples and increase the dwelling place of God's presence on the earth. Do you see that? So David transmits it to Solomon, his God-sized vision. Jesus transmits his God-sized vision to us, the church. And here's the catch. It requires every member in the body of Christ doing their part. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5 there, if you read it in the New American Standard, it says, Who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? David's like, well, who then is willing to follow my example in New Living? And I like this one. It says, who then is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord? What do we talk about consecration? Consecration is the process of being made holy. It's the process of setting yourself apart for a God-like purpose, uh, for the purposes of God. So it's the, the purposes of God being fulfilled in your life, and it's all about giving him glory. So it's, God, I'm going to set myself apart as holy unto you, that you can use me and get some glory out of me. And David's saying, hey guys, who is willing to go through this process of being made holy for the purpose of God's glory? Who's going to follow me and laying it all down? And what does Jesus say to his disciples? You can't follow me unless you're willing to take up your cross, die to yourself. Even turn away from your family and friends. Sell all that you have and follow me. That's the kind of radical commitment Jesus is saying, guys, I'm excited about something. I came to earth for a reason. I've been doing this 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry just to build God something great. It's going to be in man. David's got that same passion. And he's saying, guys, it's got to be a process. You've got to set your heart aside. Who is willing to follow me as I do something great for the Lord? I think about the next generation that comes up after us. Does the next generation see us giving everything to God? Do they see our vision? Do they, have, they see a response to the commission of Christ in us? And do we begin to look at them and say, guys... Who's going to follow my example? Son, daughter, 
young person? Who's going to follow our example as we have laid it all down on the line? Can we say that yet? Come on, church. We lay, are we laying it all down on the line and saying, God, my vision for what I want to do for you is so big, I know you can fit in it. Come on. How many, how many little prayers do we pray? How many little problems do we focus our whole lives on trying to get through? And yet, all this huge stuff is out there that God can and would and wants to do. That He could take over a city for the glory of God if He wanted to. He could take a nation if He wanted to. But we're stuck on me problems and this problems and this little problem. But David is saying, guys... My whole life makes sense now. I'm at the end of my life. I'm going all in. I'm selling out to everything. I don't need it. I can't take it with me. All that I have in my reserve, it's to the Lord's. All that I have, I'm selling everything out. And I'm going to give it for this one God-sized vision. Now look down. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6. Oh, so who's going to follow me? Who's going to set themselves apart for the glory of God. So he's challenging his son, son, set yourself apart for the glory of God. Then he looks to the leaders. He turns and he looks to the, the elite that are around him. He looks to the family leaders and the leaders of the tribes of Israel. He looks to the generals and the captains of the army, those who had been with him, his king's administrative officers and all of them. And in verse 6 it says, All of those people all gave willingly. For the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, my Lord, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 uh, 3, tons of iron. Somebody had a big scrapyard behind their house, didn't they? I'm just thinking, man, they also contributed numerous precious stones which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. So we've even got stuff in our saving safety deposit box over here. We're emptying it out. Why? Because we believe God deserves a place to dwell on the earth. We believe that God's glory should be established in mankind. We believe that our God is so great, David, we're going to follow you as you lay it all down because our God is worth every penny. That's how good our God is. That's how great our God is. We've seen him destroy the Philistines. We've seen him in battle. David, we've seen him uh, lead you and do all that he did for, through you in your life. And so we believe it. We're taking the charge. And so now, as an act of worship, all those who had been with him laid their lives down. And David had known that God wanted his, uh, the people of Israel in the process. And so David is just saying, guys, here it is. Would you join me? And they say, yes. You know, Jesus, the same way, Jesus could have come the first time, established his kingdom on the earth, and done it all himself. He didn't need us. David had pretty much all the money. He'd already prepared it all. He had all the plans. He had all the things ready to go. But he wanted to involve his son, and he wanted to involve the people of God. Jesus comes down to earth, and he says, Guys, I've done the hard part. I've come. I've prepared the way. I've paid the ultimate price. But now I'm asking you to pay something. Give all you have and follow me. 
I'll make you into something. Let's build the kingdom of God on the earth. And hey, I'm going to leave you even with the Holy Spirit of God, the comforter, the counselor, the friend, the advocate. He's going to tell you all things on how to do it. He's actually going to write the blueprints out for you as you step out in faith. You don't even have to worry what to talk about. Even he's going to speak through you and for you. All I'm asking is, who's with me? Who wants to build something great for God? And he says, now go. What does he tell his son? Be courageous. Go and act on it. What does Jesus tell his disciples? Hey, don't fear. I'm with you always to the very end. Now go. Do something great for God. What are the parallels we have in Scripture? How are we increasing God's kingdom, his temple, his dwelling place in the hearts of man? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul would write, he says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid that foundation, another is building upon it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one that's been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if we, any man builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones or wood, hay or straw, every man's work is going to become evident, for the day will show it, because it's to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. For if any man's work which he's built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. But if it doesn't and it's burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. He's not talking about salvation, and he's not really just talking about money. saying, God, I want to use what resources you've given me, my time, my talent, my treasure, my personality, the the opportunities you've put into my life, the, the abilities, the talents that you've given me. Lord, how can I help make a God-sized vision? How can I have a God-sized vision that you get the glory on this earth? Who's going to follow Christ's example and give everything to the Lord? For the followers of David, David was their example. And for the followers of Jesus, he's our example. I look at Christ and say, God, how can I be like him? Lord, how can I do what he's called us to do? He so willingly gave everything. The Bible says that, don't you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, should become rich. Man, it's a good thing to give our lives to God. It's a rewarding thing to just go all in with Jesus. We all have areas we're going to continue to grow in. We all have areas God can continue to take. I think really our challenge, my challenge for me in my life is, Heath, what does God want to build through your life, through my life? I talked to one of my pastor friends uh, a while back, and, you know, there's different things that really hit us all differently. If you, someone, it might be a story of, uh, you know, a certain story in the Bible that really touches your heart or a certain theme like, identity and he's your father in heaven and that really tugs your heart or man god is gracious towards you and the redemption and there's different things that really pop at us because that's really affected our lives or maybe those are things that really resonate with you that god uh loves you in this way or has this for you or that uh, and how you uh, respond to the grace and the mercy of god but for me heath harris i know that my world is on that little back row Right there, those three ladies over there, that's my world. But there is no 
greater thing that I want to do with this little life that God's given me than to build something great for him. You come to me, my whole life is defined by that one thing. My whole life. That's, what all I'm, that's the only reason Heath Harris exists in this world today. While there may be other problems that come into my life, there may be other situations or scenarios, and whether you like me or don't like me, I know one thing about my life. I'm here to build something for Jesus Christ. That's why I exist. That's why I do what I do. That's why I pray. That's why I study. That's why I read. That's why I do this job. I am here for the glory of God. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Do I fail every day, 10 times, 1,000 times, 100,000 times a day, right? But, but if there could be something that could be said about my life, and I was telling that pastor friend of mine, I said, man, the, the only thing I pray consistently, there's a lot of things I pray in Scripture, but the thing I pray consistently is, God, let me do something great for you. Let me build something great for you. That, that little piece of what David felt, I just you, sometimes a nugget will come in. It's just, God, I want that this life matter, that it would leave a legacy. There would be something of this burning passion, God, that when I look back and you could say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were good and faithful with the few things I gave you. And so come on in. And then God would look at us and, and say, wow, like the talents. Lord, he had a, a 10 things, but he doubled it. Or he had 20 things and he doubled it. Or, or this and he tripled it. God, what can we do with what little we have and, you know, my daughter, um, over a Christmas, their daycare um, allowed them to go buy Christmas presents for the family. Well, who paid for that? Me, right? And so I paid for my daughter to go to Dollar General and pick me and my wife out a present, right? Which is cool, and it's kind of cute, right? And so she goes, and she goes on the aisle, and she picks a present. She, they wrap it, and then we don't get to know what it is, except for a four-year-old will tell you if you ask. <laughs> Right? They don't keep secrets. But it was really cool on Christmas Day to see her watch us open the gift that she had bought. There's a little bit of ownership there. Um, and the joy that was there. And the other day, uh, it was last Sunday, she bought me socks and uh, dress socks for preaching. And so I wore the socks on Sunday and I got home and she was so excited that I wore the socks that she bought. Now that's so sweet, right? And everybody said, aw, right? Uh, but who bought the socks? I did, right? She didn't buy them. I bought them, right? She picked them out. Isn't that like what God does with us? Everything you have is his. Everything you're ever going to get is his. And what plans he wants to do with your life are his. The resources he's going to give you to do that with him are his. But he gets so much joy if you spend it on him. Come on. If you just spend the blessings of God right back on God, he loves to dote on you, his son, his daughter, and say, man, I love it when my kids use the resources I gave them to worship me. Man, I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to lavish my love on them. I'm going to lift them up. I'm going to brag on them. Amen? That's what David was doing. That's what Jesus is asking of you and me. He died on the cross. I can't do that. He paid the blood. I, he, he gave us the Holy Spirit, the Word, everything we need to know. He said, guys, I've done the hard part. I've prepared everything for the building of the tabernacle of God on the earth. Would you just go be courageous and use what I've given you? Just sacrifice what you have. Build up my place of dwelling. And I'll get the glory and I'll glory on you.
Now watch this. Look in 29, verse 13. Now, David, <clears throat> sorry, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. So they were willingly to offer, and they rejoiced because they got, like my little Ari, got to rejoice after buying Dad something. But then it says, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Why? He rejoiced that they enjoyed giving to God. And he goes on, and he begins to pray and praise. And in verse 13, he begins to say, Now therefore, our God, we thank you, we praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are we, my people, that we should be able to come and offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand, and we have given and we have given them to you, for we are sojourners before you and tenants as our fathers were in all the days of the earth. Like a shadow, there's no hope. But, O Lord, our God, all this abundance we have provided to build you a house for your holy name. It is from your hand, and all is yours. Man. And he goes on, look at verse 7. Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here making their offerings willingly to you. David was so excited when his people caught the fire for God that he had. Don't you know Jesus is excited in heaven when he says you and you and you and me catch the fire for building something for God? That he had. Man. That's what this is all about. Consecration. It's not really a sacrifice. Man people really hate that word. They hate sacrifice and discipleship. And giving it all away. But it was God's to begin with. And so just give it back. And he glories on you. When we give freely and wholeheartedly. To God's mission. It gives Christ joy. He was excited. And I know Jesus is excited tonight when you give him everything you've got. What talents do you have? What God-sized vision has he put in your heart? Maybe it's doing something creative. Maybe it's doing something nobody else does. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's writing. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's street evangelism. Maybe it's uh, studying. Maybe it's a prayer ministry. Maybe it's uh, just being that mom or that dad that really raises a mighty man or woman for God, like David raised Solomon and imparting to the next generation. Maybe it's being a Sunday school teacher or, or partnering with a foreign mission agency and getting involved and, and supporting kids who don't get an education. There's thousands and thousands of things that God could use you to do. But is your vision big enough? Can God fit in it? I think sometimes we have such a small, narrow-mindedness of what we really think we can do on this earth. But God's like, guys, I will give you all the resources you need to go to Dollar General and buy me a pair of socks. Right? God will give you all the resources you need. Paul says he will supply everything in riches according to Christ Jesus. He's going to supply you if you just get the vision for it. Here it is. I know you'll do it. Go and act. Amen.